Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, the big homie. We have Wazni Lambre, who is a TYT contributor, extraordinary individual. She'll be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day. Former President Donald Trump says if he is reelected, he will in fact invade Mexico, possibly, because he would declare the cartels to be terrorists. Also, Marjorie Taylor Greene forgets conservatives are the reason that we have assault weapons. Fascinating. Let me first take you to this video. Here it is. Is there any, any question? I'll yield to anyone on this committee who disagrees that murder in schools is not murder. I yield. Will you, will you yield? Oh, I'll yield. Yes, please. Yeah, I was, when I was in 11th grade and Joe Biden made our schools gun-free school zones, one of the students in my school brought three guns to school, and our entire school went on lockdown because he was the only person with a gun. There was no good guy with a gun to protect us kids at school. You want to know why the shooter is dead in Nashville, the trans shooter? You want to know why? Because a good guy with a gun killed that woman. She identified as a man. She was mentally ill, probably taking hormones. And she went in and murdered children and adults in this Christian school in Nashville. So if you want to have a good talk about schools and protecting children, we need to talk about protecting our children the same way we protect our president, we protect our celebrities, yeah. we protect Re this building. Okay, Th I'll yield. Th thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, you know, there are six people that are dead in that school, including three children, because you guys got rid of the assault weapons ban. Because you guys made it easy for people who don't deserve to have weapons, who are mentally incapable of having weapons of war, being able to buy those weapons and go into schools. I voted for SROs in my schools in, in Florida after Parkland. We have SROs on every school. Did the good guys with the guns stop six people from getting murdered? No. But you know what? AR-15s, you've seen what those bullets do to children. You know why you don't hunt with an AR-15 with a deer? Because there's nothing left. And there's nothing left of these kids when people go into school and murder them while they're trying to read. You guys are worried about banning books. Dead kids can't read. You see, now I'm going to highlight a couple of things. First of all, uh, big ups to the representative, Jared uh, Muskowitz, Democrat out of Florida. Sparred with Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene over the gun issue. This is the House Oversight Committee hearing, all right, which veered into a discussion about the horrific Nashville Elementary School shooting on Monday, something that feckless politicians will not do a damn thing about. Now, it is interesting that Marjorie Taylor Greene and others are starting to say, well, this happened because the person is trans. Maybe it is the mental illness or perhaps something else like hormone therapy. It's insane. It is insane. Because the vast majority, overwhelmingly, vast majority of those who commit this type of violence are white men. White men who typically prescribe to Christianity as their faith. This has never come up before. 
Uh, let me give you some research. Everytown Research and Policy. Everytown Research and Policy cites 306 mass shootings in the U.S. since 2009. Four shooters of over 300 mass shooters since 2009 are transgender or non-binary. Four out of 300. That's 1.3% of all shooters. Anthony Zinkis, a lecturer in social work at Columbia University, wrote on Twitter, you just proved our point. 99% of mass shooters in the United States are cisgendered. Now, meanwhile, Donald Trump, the shenanigans. Former President Donald Trump, well, he is asking his advisors for a plan to launch a military invasion of Mexico to attack drug cartels if re-elected in 2024. Rolling Stone reported this on Wednesday. Trump lieutenants have briefed him on several options that include unilateral military strikes and troop deployments on a sovereign U.S. partner and neighbor, the sources say. One such proposal that Trump has been briefed on this year is an October white paper from the Center for Renewing America. This is an influential think tank staffed largely by Trumpites, okay? The policy paper titled, It's Time to Wage War on Transnational Drug Cartels, outlines possible justifications and procedures for the next Republican commander-in-chief to formally declare war against cartels in response to the mounting bodies of dead Americans from fentanyl poisoning. Uh, well, you know, we are, as a country, we are the number one consumers of illegal narcotics on the planet. Us, okay, Americans. If we stop consuming, the industry dries up. Whole lot of people in America, they like to get high. This is going to be a war on many fronts if you try to do this. But let's go back to the reality of what he's doing. We can wax poetic about the justification or non-justification of something like this, how invading a foreign country is adverse to the principles of democracy, but working with them in the spirit of diplomacy and resolution is best. We can do that, but that is not the aim of what Trump is presenting. What is he doing? He is clearly defining the boogeyman. He is clearly articulating another enemy for his base to support him fighting against. Remember, I've said this before, when you choose your enemy, what else do you do? Keep in mind, heroes are shaped by the villains they overcome. When you create your own villain, you thus create the hero. So they are creating their heroes by creating villains. This is another villain being created by Donald Trump, okay? They are masterful at this part. There's more. The magazine acknowledges that this would be an invasion of a sovereign country, writing that the U.S. should conduct specific military operations to destroy the cartels and enlist the Mexican government in joint operations to target the network infrastructure, including affiliated factions, and enablers 
with direct action. However, it brushed off the legal concerns, saying that it is vital that Mexico not be led to believe they have veto power to prevent the U.S. from taking the actions necessary to secure its border or people. This idea is actually not new. Let me take you back to 2019. In 2019, Donald Trump considered designating drug cartels as terrorist organizations, a move that could have opened the door to military action against them, but administration officials decided against it. More recently, some Republicans, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, they have called for cartels to be bombed. All right? Once again, what are they doing? Clearly defining the enemy. All right? That's what they're doing. This is their boogeyman. They're going to run on it. Just like Trump said, he's going to build a wall and get Mexico to pay for it. Everybody cheered. Never happened. That wasn't a point. The point was he wanted to win an election. Remember during the, during the midterms, um, undocumented uh, individuals who are in caravans coming to commit all types of crime in America. As soon as the midterms were over, caravan what? Uh, this comes as President Joe Biden has stepped up his efforts against the cartels, which in addition to flooding the U.S. with drugs, fueling a nationwide epidemic of overdose, are committing widespread organized violence in Mexico on a level seen in some civil wars. It's a big deal. It's a big problem. Trump will not deal with it seriously. He's going to say what is necessary in order to get elected and then not deliver. All right. Wise thoughts here. Man, first of all, blessings to you and your audience. Uh, so super happy to be on with Good you guys out. today. Uh, it's funny. I, I was looking at uh, my Instagram the other day, and I noticed that bell bottoms were were all the craze on my Instagram. I was like, wow, we're back to this again. I remember this from the 90s, which was, mm -hmm. you know, sort of cyclical of something we were doing in the 70s. And I read this, and I'm just like, wait, we're doing the war on drugs again? We did this already. This this has already happened. Um, we all remember Nancy Reagan. Uh, I remember myself being enrolled in the D.A.R.E. program as a kid. We, we did all of this war on drugs crap and nonsense, and it doesn't work. Um, obviously, the, the wars that the cartels are waging on each other down in Mexico is horrible. Um, however, the conditions that have created uh, the atmosphere for a black market for the drug trade are our own policies. Um, people in America want to do drugs. People are going to find a way to get them these drugs because it is very profitable. Um, and the reason that's the case is because we've, you know, we've invented this market. Uh, I think if we yeah. took a different approach to, um, to dealing and helping people who, who are afflicted by drug, drug um, addiction and, and other maladies, uh, related to this, we do a lot better than saying, oh, we're going to invade Mexico with the U.S. military. Like, this is, this is the definition of lunacy. That's right. Well said. All right. The man who shot and killed, I'm talking about the cop who shot and killed someone over sunglasses has now been fired. Let me first do this. I want to bring you the video, then I have the background. Here it is.
We've got the radio. Urban 2 holding channel for us. Bloomingdale slot lot. Blackmail going towards 7 from Fashion. He's crossing over. Crossing over, guys. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Going into the woods. Through the woods. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Stop reaching. Stop reaching. Put up the picture full mass, the victim of this insanity. Timothy Johnson. This is an update to a story we brought you last month. Last month, a Fairfax County police fatally shot a black man believed to be shoplifting. Now, one of the officers has been fired. Officers suspected the man who was killed, Timothy Johnson, 37, has stolen items from a Tyson's Corner shopping center on the 22nd of February. Chief Kevin Davis told reporters, according to a department news release, Sergeant Wesley Shiflett, a seven-year veteran of the department and police officer first class, James Sattler, an eight-year veteran of the department discharged their firearms. Police said the two officers fired three total shots. And Davis confirmed Shiflett fired the fatal shot. Officers' actions do not meet the expectations of our department, in particular, use of force policies, protocols, and procedures, Davis says. He will no longer be a Fairfax County police officer. Let's put up the chief. So, chief, why is he not arrested? I don't understand. You clearly see there's no reason for a man to be dead. You clearly say that in your own proclamation about what happened. This is the most impactful negative thing a person can do, take another life. A press release posted after the shooting by the FCPD detailed what happened that day. An officer observed the man exiting the store near a parking garage. As he exited the store, the anti-theft alarm was activated as he fled. It read, Shiflet was in uniform, but Sadler was working undercover in plain clothes when they started chasing Johnson on foot into a nearby wooded area. Let's put his picture up. Johnson's mother and the family's attorney, Carl Cruz, says the way he was killed could be considered an execution, and I agree. The best way to describe the video is to say what was not on it, what it doesn't show, danger. It doesn't show the officers faced any danger, imminent or otherwise, Cruz says. The department declared this is not the way, this is not the way it runs. Since his termination, Officer Shiflett has acquired legal representation. His lawyer, Caleb Kushner, says his client was acting in self-defense at the time of the shooting. According to Shiflett, his, lawyers, his lawyer claims the suspect was not obeying any of the officer commands directed at him. He and Sattler believe Johnson to have posed to them a serious threat 
leaving their lives in jeopardy, he says. A police officer should never be forced to be shot or seriously injured before he takes actions to protect himself or others, the attorney said. You know, this is going to bite this attorney because a good prosecutor is going to utilize your statement, sir, and ask you, why did you not present specific details when you made the proclamation about your client? What was it that the victim did which made them feel as if they were in imminent danger? You left that part out. Why? Because you have no justification. You have no narrative. You have no evidence. You have no truth. Okay. Unarmed man, black male, shot and killed. Pose no threat, no danger, nothing. Watch any thoughts here. I'm always I'm always struck by this stuff. Um, specifically when these guys are in quote unquote hot pursuit of a, a quote unquote suspect, like what the crime being alleged is. Um, this is not some dude fleeing a murder spree or, you know, he, he held somebody captive like you've seen on the movies and they're just in hot pursuit of this extremely obviously dangerous um, criminal, right? Allegedly, the guy that they thought they were chasing after had shoplifted. This is just crazy. <laughs> like, like the, the idea that these guys would carry themselves this way in pursuit of a potential shoplifter, right? And that this can turn deadly over shoplifting yeah. at a convenience store. That's the part that kind of kills me um, more than anything, that these, these, these officers think that their job is to potentially kill Murder a shoplifter is it that's the saddest part of all of this to me. Just the casual violence associated with a crime as innocuous and unimportant as shoplifting. The slave patrol was really the first official permeation of law enforcement in America. They were given a particular authority, the authority to obviously kill or physically restrict and move those who were enslaved. But their primary job was actually protecting property. Property, okay? When you think about what just happened, and I'm talking to cops all across this country, shoplifting from a store. Who made those glasses? Likely a multi-million dollar company. Who distributes the sunglasses? a multi-million dollar company. How much do you get paid, officer? Do you get paid millions of dollars to protect the million dollar companies that produce the product that you are about to kill a man over? No. Why have you been programmed to believe this is even worthy of you chasing somebody? I'd be damned if I chase somebody for sunglasses. I don't care what kind of job I have. A man's life is gone. Just because somebody may need to see a judge does not mean they're supposed to see their maker. You are not judge, jury, and executioner. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing viewer comments. He says, 
He said, you guys are worried about banning books? Dead kids can't read. Mic drop. Exactly. Exactly. And let's go to A. Arisden. A, the good guy with the gun argument goes out the window when it's law enforcement that shoots the shooter. It's their damn job. And James Thompson, member for eight months, thank you for the support. I've been a fan since you appeared on the damage report. Keep rocking, Doc. My birthday is the third. Happy early birthday. Uh, hit us back on the third, all right? Or right after, okay? And one more. Let's go to Twitch. All right. Uh, so on Twitch, Galfer71, the number one rule for police is 911 is shoot first, ask questions later. And sometimes it's ask questions never. All right. Okay. Corrections officer has been charged because of her affiliation in a white supremacist gang. We have the picture of her partner. Let's put it up. He was a leader in this outfit. All right. Um, James, excuse me, Jesse James Bailey, who, uh, who authorities described as an influential member of the Aryan family gang, and his wife, Candace Bailey. We don't have Officer Candace Bailey's picture, ironically, who is a former Washington State Corrections Officer. They were arrested in crackdowns on the Aryan family white supremacist prison gang. All right, you see the guns? You see the illegal par paraphernalia. The gang sold massive amounts of methamphetamine and other drugs in Washington, Idaho, and Alaska. Law enforcement seized 177 firearms, more than 10 kilos of methamphetamine, more than 11 kilos of fentanyl in both peel and powder form, three kilos of heroin, more than $330,000 in cash from 18 locations in Washington in Arizona. The sheer amount of narcotic seized in this investigation is shocking, said Jacob Gallivan, acting special agent in charge of the DEA in Seattle. The fentanyl seized in this operation contained enough lethal doses to kill everyone who lives in Tacoma and Seattle. While enough lethal doses, with enough lethal doses left over to poison another half a million people. Richard Colodi, special agent in charge of the FBI Seattle field office, says some suspects allegedly operated from prison. See, this is what happens when you literally have a program, a methodology, and enforcement standard that says we look the other way when we profile. We look to when we profile, meaning we look to a particular demographic expecting them to commit a particular crime, and we look away from this other demographic allowing them to commit the said crime we actually would like to bust. Why does it get this big? Why does the operation become this massive? Because no one is paying attention to them. And they are in the business of recruiting people that seem trustworthy like officers working literally inside of the beast. Isn't that ironic? Uh, many of you have not heard of this story. It should be national news everywhere, okay? But it is not, all right? Okay, thoughts here.
it's it's kind of funny that the guys who have been tasked with effectively running this drug war, uh, <laughs> they're the worst at it. Uh, the, like the idea that these law enforcement guys um, were, were so intricately involved in the drug trade right under the nose of people who should be ostensibly, you know, investigating these crimes. It's everything you need to know about how fruitless and pointless the entire concept of a drug war is. And I think any American citizen who hears, oh, we're going to go to war, we're going to invade, we're going to do this, and, and thinks that we have any shot of executing this war, quote-unquote, um, in, in a competent manner uh, should be <laughs> extremely skeptical. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least, dear brother. All right, I got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You I feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. You racist bitch! What the f*** did you say? Go on, you racist bitch! Say it again! What did you say? Say it again! Say it again! Look at you! You're a pasty wife, you fun! Pasty wife, you fun! Look at you! Look at you! Look at you! I'm fine as. I'm fine as. Listen, you're more, you're more black than my. What comes out my heart? Just the way you are. Listen to her. You're beautiful just the way you are, okay? So sad, learning early, learning early. Uh, this is in the UK. Um, let's put up the pictures full mass. We decided to blur out many of the faces because we believe that many, if not all of them are in fact minors. This would normally be called a cackle of Karens who have decided to be racist against one person who may look a little bit differently than them. Um, somebody has failed you. Somebody in your home, perhaps, they have failed you. You believe that nature should look like you. Nature comes in variation. That's the beauty of our world, the variation. Uh, Hopefully, the virality of this video teaches you a lesson, a lesson that says this is not action you would like to engage in, nor a lesson you want to learn again. Become an advocate. Take this moment, learn from it. You're early enough to overcome whatever happens to you right now and become a different person than what your parents have taught you to be. All right, welcome back. My apologies, we are having a technical issue, but everything should be go right now. All right, very sad story that deserves more attention. They have been kidnapped. Let's put the picture full mass. Let me give you the background to this insanity. A Florida couple, Abigail Toussaint, left and Gene Dickens on the right. They have been kidnapped while on a trip to Haiti. 
The couple, both 33 years of age, went to Haiti to visit sick family members, but were kidnapped on a bus ride from the capital city. They have been held hostage since Saturday. Family members have been doing everything in their power to get them back. Christy D. Sormez, their niece, told NBC Miami that a group ordered her aunt and uncle off a bus and have kept them captive since. The family said that when they paid more than 2000 of the $6,000 ransom that had been demanded, kidnappers changed the deal. It's a lot of emotions. It's devastating. You feel angry. It happened. And then you feel numb at the same time because it doesn't feel real, she said. Um, here's a picture of her alongside the family. The Haitian kidnappers have since renegotiated the terms to 200000 per person, an amount Christie says the family simply does not have. Christie's sister reached out to the U.S. Embassy and the Department of Homeland Security, but got little response. Here's the response. We are aware of reports of two U.S. citizens missing in Haiti. Not missing. Kidnapped, held hostage. When a U.S. citizen is missing, we work closely with local authorities as they carry out their search efforts, and we share information with families how, however we can. We have nothing further to share at this time. Okay? However, the U.S. Department still claims these cases are a high priority. Here's a closer look at the developing story from NBC. We traveled to Haiti in 2021 when a high-profile hostage situation made headlines after 17 missionaries were kidnapped for over 60 days. Tonight, the State Department telling NBC News when a U.S. citizen is missing, we work closely with local authorities as they carry out their search efforts, and we share information with families however we can. Family members determined to see this couple home again to reunite with their baby, turning two this week. We're fighting. We're going to find you. And we're going to bring you home. Yeah, let's put up the petition. We want this family to be safe. We want them to come home. Despite these signals from the State Department, Christy is continuing her mission, already getting over 5,000 signatures on the petition to bring the family home. Keep that public pressure high. Christy's touching petition is a plea to humanity and a plea for hope. They are U.S. citizens, the petition says. They are parents. They are siblings. They are my family. They are loved. And most of all, they are people who desperately need your help. Amid the media storm circulating the situation, scammers have begun to try to take advantage by creating fake GoFundMe pages, playing on the hearts of those who would like to make a contribution. Put it up. This is a post from Christy. It says clearly, hi, we don't have a GoFundMe. I don't know who started that, but hold on to your money, please. None of us came to a decision on if we even would. According to Christy, fear of crowdfunding comes from the captors who may harm the missing couple 
if they think the family is getting the money. So while everyone is urged to sign the petition, sign the petition, um, that is currently the help they are requesting, all right? Okay, um, this is something that naturally everyone should just focus, pay attention to, make sure we hold the powers that be accountable to the actual engagement, not only of diplomacy, but being effective. Call your congressperson, call your representative, make sure there's an advocacy, make sure there's a public pressure, a political pressure. This is how things get done in America. It's unfortunate, but it's real. If you do not keep the public pressure high, this couple may end up dead. All right, Wasney, thoughts here? Um, as you guys know, um, I'm Haitian-American myself, and so this story hits um, quite close to home for me. Uh, obviously, my, my thoughts go out to the families of these individuals who are in a dire situation, but you know what I would like the viewers to consider is going on 100 years of U.S. state policy um, in Haiti. Uh, U.S. is the dominant force in Haiti in collaboration with the Haitian ruling elite. Uh, this is, these are the conditions that those policies that they've come up with in conjunction with one another, that's the State Department and, you know, other U.S. elites like the Clintons, quite frankly, who like to treat Haiti as their personal piggy bank. Um, these are the conditions that those policies have wrought. And um, the, this is why the situation on the ground in Haiti is so dire that people think that this is the means by which you can get some money uh, is holding people hostage and, and demanding ransom money. Um, I, you know, so when I see how this stuff uh, sort of bears itself out all the time, like every 10 years, there's a hostage crisis uh, in Haiti. Um, and, and we see that happen all the time. But again, you know, a lot of times we'll hear people talk about, oh, look at Venezuela, look at how stupid socialism and communism and blah, blah, blah. Look at how awful and dire it is. But we never say look at Haiti when we talk about the destructions of capitalism. Mm. Um, and I think that we absolutely should. Well said. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome. All right, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Taylor Taylor says, the Worldwide Karen Federation has teens. Yeah, they are starting recruitment efforts early. All right, uh, YouTube member. Natural born Keeler gifted one indisputable with Dr. Shotridge membership. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate you. Um, SK underscore zero nine. But hey, tell me more about how illegal immigrants are killing this country with fentanyl. There you go, good point. Uh, one more. Paper underscore dragging underscore. I want them to come home, but this is almost as stupid as the decision is going to Russia. Um, I don't think so, uh, not at this moment. There are safety protocols everybody must adhere to. Okay, damn shame. Man leaves a racist voicemail to the black judge. Gave his contact information. Let's put it up. You're looking at one of the dumbest criminals alive. His name is Michael D. Blouse, a 42-year-old white male who was arrested for unleashing a cascade 
of racially threatening voicemails to a judge. He left between 15 to 17 separate voicemails for a black judge calling her the N-word and airing grievances about her staff and an unspecified housing dispute between March 27th and March 28th. Some of the messages, you cannot tell what he's saying. The judge, an African-American herself, is shielding her identity since he expressed uh, his uh, disposition towards her. The 42-year-old man threatened to follow staff home and claimed that he had been stalking the courthouse for two weeks. The judge filed a protective order against him, saying she fears for her safety and the safety of a family. I am not doing anything to a single member of your effing staff that you don't do to me first, Michael said in a voice message. Eye for an eye makes you wonder what I do have planned, end quote. Michael, however, appears to see himself as the victim. He also grumbles about reverse racism. Yeah, reverse racism. In the messages that detectives refer to as anger and hateful, hey, do you know what reverse discrimination is? Because I want you to know how black people can do whatever the F they want, he said. As for the details of the case, Jackson County prosecutors charged Michael with first degree harassment and tampering with a judicial officer, which are both felony offenses. He is facing one to seven years in jail or prison for the tampering charge. If convicted of harassment, he could serve one to four years. Both charges could cost him up to $10,000 in fines each. Uh, let's put up the county prosecutor involved in the case. This is Jean Baker. She was the prosecutor, all right? Prosecutor Baker issued a public statement regarding the matter. No member of the public should be allowed to threaten a public official in the course of doing their duties. But today, most public officials experience threats to their safety simply for doing a job for the public. While this type of anger is not a new phenomenon in our culture, it cannot be tolerated. This hate-filled speech is not protected speech. It is a crime. It will not be tolerated when it is directed at a judge and the judge's staff who assist in this necessary work. And let me expand that uh, for you, Madam DA. This goes for anybody, anybody. What he said would have been criminal against anyone, not just a judge. Threats are against the law, period. And when we start dealing with these thugs and gangsters in the appropriate fashion, making an example out of them, that is when possibly you will see some fear in the ranks of white supremacy. All right, wise your thoughts. Man, I'm always grateful when um, these dangerous criminals happen to be incredibly idiotic and stupid. Uh, this guy clearly is nobody's idea of a criminal mastermind. And so, you know, he'll be brought to justice in a nice, tidy bow. However, you know, it's still scary uh, that there are people out here who harbor these deranged, intense, violent thoughts, man. I'm just happy we're going to be able to deal with this guy and that judge's family can be safe and sound. But yeah, we're, we're lucky this time, Dr. Richie, yep. that we're de dealing with Boo Boo the Fool, literally. Right.
Exactly. He doesn't have the capacity to pull it off, but somebody may. Hell of a story. The city of Atlanta demolishes the wrong home. Sent correspondence, sent warning, sent a proclamation saying, hey, we're going to demolish this house, but they sent it to the wrong property and it was delivered back to the city. Man pulls up one day expecting to see his home. It is gone. Let's put his picture up for a mass. I mean, damn. Amid numerous Atlanta demolitions, one man, Everett Tripodis, says the city sent warnings to the wrong address before demolishing his home in Atlanta's historic West End community. And we are doing a lot of work, ladies and gentlemen, to restore that part of Atlanta. Uh, he's a property owner. His property is on Lawton Street with a zip code of 30310. This is important. However, the city of Atlanta demolition documents references Lawton Avenue, Avenue with a zip code of 30314. You see the discrepancy there. Nobody decided to reconcile this issue. The homeowner says, and I quote, the demolition order itself gave the city and its contractor authority to demolish a home in a completely, on a completely different street and a completely different zip code. He told this to WSB Channel 2. Before and after the uh, photos of the demolition, look at this. Look at this. The homeowner says he and his mother were in the middle of remodeling the home. Now there's nothing left but an empty lot. A century-old home used to sit on the lot near the Beltline. This is prime real estate now in the city of Atlanta. The homeowner and his mother brought the house as an investment property. Mother-son duo doing the right thing, restoring the historic West End as we are encouraging people to do. He said that each year they paid to have it listed with Atlanta's vacant property registry as required by law. The city had the correct address, the correct owner's address in its internal records. Everything was correct. Gray was able to verify that certified letters to an incorrect address were returned to sender. The city sent it out to the wrong address and it came back and nobody said, wait a minute, let's double check this address. Then there is the property address itself. It is listed incorrectly in several locations as Lawton Avenue. Lawton Avenue is a real address, but it's 1.4 miles away from the actual property. It blows my mind how they could have mistakenly sent these to the wrong address, he says. I come and meet the contractor one morning and the whole house is gone. Everything is gone. Nothing but dirt. A city inspector found the home unfit for habitation because of junk debris and an unsecured entry. Remember, they went to the wrong property. Uh, in this case, the Atlanta City Council uh, they have denied this is their fault. They're saying we're not going to pay for this claim. They denied it in writing. Let me read you the exact quote. 
The council has determined that the city cannot accept responsibility for this matter and therefore cannot pay this claim. Tripodis has now filed a lawsuit against the city. The city demolishes the property, then sends you a bill for accidentally or mistakenly, negligently demolishing your house. The case is now in the hands of the Fulton County Superior Court judge. Uh, they sent the man a bill. You know how much the bill was? Over $700,000. So literally, they destroy his home. I'm not talking about destroy as in the sense of made it messy. Literally destroy it. It's gone. It disappears. And then they send him a bill for his trouble. All he's asking is for this. One, uh, don't charge me for your mistake. And number two, can you at least figure out a way to remedy the problem you and your mistakes made for me? So I'm going to say this. I know the people in Atlanta, Mayor Dickens, the council people. Uh, let's, let's not make this a situation. Go ahead and do the right thing. I have no idea why you all responded this way. Maybe somebody spoke and you did not approve it, possibly. But I will start calling you all individually today about this bill that should have never been allocated to this man and a mistake that needs to be remedied because I'll be damned if you all are going to spend my taxpayer dollars on defending something that has no defense. It was your mistake. You fix it. It ain't your money. It's ours. All right. Watch the thoughts. I, th this is about as nightmarish as it gets, right? Yeah. Uh, you show up to a property that you've purchased and, um, man, it's completely leveled. <laughs> I don't even see how this guy can be made whole. Of course, he should be paid for the, the damage done to his property. And, you know, I hope that they find a way to remedy this. But, like, this, this just seems like an unmitigated disaster. I, I'm not actually on the ground like you are um, in Atlanta, uh, Dr. Richie. What is the basis for this program in the first place as far as, like, just leveling properties? Um, what, what, what would be the right case um, that this was actually working? What would be the justification for that? There's a program to basically beautify West End Atlanta. Because you do have a lot of for-profit corporations who do not exist in Georgia, do not exist in America, to be quite honest. Uh, and many of these landlords simply buy up a bunch of property at one time and they let it stay. They let it sit until the community starts to gentrify, right? And then they start getting more engaged. Well, in the process of that, they allow these buildings to typically go without being maintained. And it becomes an eyesore. It becomes a magnet for criminal activity, et cetera. And so the city engaged in an aggressive program. They said, listen, you got to register your properties. You register your properties. There's a process that we can go through. You'll be safe and protected. He did that. This guy did that. He's not the kind of person they were mm. trying to either A, hold accountable or, or B, penalize. He wasn't part of any of that. He and his mother are simply investors. What we want in the city of Atlanta. Uh, but they are obviously without their investment property anymore. Okay. Terrible. Horrible. Uh, we got more on the other side. Indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of comments. I'm kind of pressed for time. All right. Uh, Mo Fear says, how is the term reverse racism even a thing? Isn't racism just racism? If you don't like a race of people, you are racist. All right. And one more. Sweet back underscore lightning. I need to see the plaintiffs and my color swatch to determine what may happen legally. 
uh, talking about the demolition. All right. Hell of a thing, but I actually agree with our dear brother, Representative Jamal Bowman. Gets into it with a Kentucky Republican because the Kentucky Republican put himself in it. Here it is. Children at all, cowards, pressure them, force them to respond to the question, why the hell won't you do anything to save America's children? And let them explain that all the way up until Election Day of 2024. Let them explain it all the way up to Election Day of 2024. They're freaking cowards. They're gutless. They're not here. I'm talking about gun violence. You know, there's never been a school in a school that allows teachers to carry. Carry guns? More guns lead to more death. More guns lead to more death. Look at the data. You're not looking at any data. You're carrying the water for the gun lobby. No, no, Look at the data. More guns lead to more deaths. Guns. States that have open carry laws have more death. In every school states that have open carry laws have more death. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's what caused their children to die. The Kentucky Republican was incorrect based on the statement he made. I will provide some information, but it is interesting. You have an authentic representative named Jamal Bowman. Jamal is talking. He's upset. The congressman is not happy with the inaction of his colleagues. So he's telling the truth. One of his colleagues decides to stop. He wasn't in the conversation, but a hit dog will holler. So he stops. Who are you talking about? I would I'm talking about you. Now, he proceeded to say there has been no school shootings in districts where teachers are allowed to carry. Damn lie. As a matter of fact, we have covered them right here on Indisputable. Not only have there been school shootings, guess who did the shooting? Either A, the teacher, or B, somebody else got their hands on the gun teacher in one case left the gun inside of the bathroom child got it brought it to the teacher luckily nobody was shot also this guns in schools thing with teachers being armed the vast majority of teachers don't want to be armed the vast majority of administrators don't want teachers armed the vast majority of parents don't want school teachers to have guns the vast majority Everybody involved, except Republicans, don't want this to happen. And the vast majority of insurance companies have said, we will not, uh, we will not secure a policy for any district that allows teachers to carry. All right, let's get into it. Representative Jamal Bowman entered into a Capitol building, shouting, match with Republican counterpart, Representative Tommy, Thomas Massey. This happened on Wednesday over the chamber's repeated failed efforts at gun control or gun reform. The incident began with Bowman, a former school principal himself, forcefully told reporters outside the House chamber that the press should be more proactive in questioning conservative lawmakers who have long fought against policies that would make it more difficult to obtain and possess firearms, especially those that create the kind of carnage you see in mass shootings. But you know what we're going to get? Let's put them up, uh, Steve. 
Scalise. Let's put him up. Uh, what does he say? He says, um, the first thing in any kind of tragedy is to pray. I pray for the victims. I pray for the families. I get really angry when people try to politicize it for their own personal agenda, especially when you don't even know the facts. That's what he said, okay? Um, sir, let me say this to you directly. I assume that you are probably a, a Christian. It was Yahshua, Jesus Christ, who said, faith without works is dead. It is dead. So damn your prayers your values and your belief system if you have no action to back it up, is what he said. Now, at what point are you going to realize you all are the Pharisees in this narrative? You all are feckless in your leadership while proclaiming a message of righteousness. You're fake, you're phony, you're hypocritical, you're bigoted. What's your thoughts here? Yeah, you got to salute Jamal Bowman um, for actually showing some human qualities. Uh, the guy's obviously torn up and emotional about what's happening in our country. And and you know what? Obviously, school shootings make the headlines and they're horrible and they're tragic um, when children die. But the vast majority of people die over petty stuff like a card game, like a lover's quarrel, um, where in just a, a, a quick moment of passion and um anger a guy somebody gets a gun and just kills somebody like that's how most of these things happen i don't think people should die this way and more importantly man in places like the uk or uh japan um they've legislated gun deaths out of their society it just nobody dies from guns in those societies and that's deliberate it's legislative they decided collectively as a society that it shouldn't happen here in a America, we just we're just cool with people getting gunned down left and right. Yep. All right. We will bring you developments, obviously, as they come. There's a man who obviously was beaten. The officer says, oh, no, 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 no. It was just a taser. Let's put up the picture. Let me put up the picture first. OK, you see the man's face. The officer is making a hell of a claim as to how all of this happened to him, okay? An Illinois man, Daryl Ryan, plans to now take legal action after an encounter with an Indiana police that left him with a broken jaw, broken cheekbones, missing teeth. He has difficulty speaking and is currently taking medication that numbs the pain that is constant in his face. He is scheduled to undergo surgery on his nose and his cheeks in early April. Let me give you background. This was all over a traffic stop. Daryl Rhyme and his girlfriend, Jamisha McChristen, they were on their way from Chicago to his godson's basketball game in Greensburg, Indiana, when they stopped for gas. McChristen was the driver. Mr. Rhyme noticed once they were at the station, two patrol cars seemed to have followed them. Greensburg police said officers pulled the red Volkswagen Jetta over for numerous violations, their quote, on March 3rd. When officer Caitlin Jakowitz 
walked up to the vehicle. She noticed a strong smell of marijuana coming from inside of the car. The department said in a statement, McChristen reportedly gave the cops false information. That's when Jackowitz told Rhyme to step out of the car. He told Atlanta Black Star. I said, why do I need to get out of the car? Rhyme said during the FaceTime interview. Rob said, out of fear of what would happen next, he told McChristen to drive off. She shifted the gear and sped away. Greensburg police said McChristen drove over 100 miles per hour, led officers on a chase before the pair got out of the car and was low on fuel and ran. During the foot pursuit, Rob ignored the commands of the officers to stop resisting. Greensburg police said in a statement, the taser was then deployed by an assisting agency and Rhyme was taken into custody. Now, they're saying that's all that happened, all right? Greensburg police said Ryan was taken to a hospital for treatment for injuries from a fall during the pursuit. His attorney argues that his injuries are inconsistent with just a fall, and he surrendered before the officer shocked him. Their version of, their version is that he was tased, he failed, and that's how he got injured. His attorney, Gigi Gilbert, said, and I quote, however, he has a broken jaw, two broken orbitals, broken cheekbones, five to six missing teeth all in the front. See, this attorney has done a lot of cases, read a lot of forensics report, knows good and damn well this doesn't add up even slightly, okay? Forensics does not add up. The attorney has filed a tort claim, all right? A tort claim against Greensburg, Decatur County, Jackowitz and Decatur County Sheriff's Deputy, Nikuli Poli. The Greensburg Police Department did not respond to Atlanta Black Star's request for additional comments. Rob said the FBI has reached out to investigate the case. Put up the sheriff. There he is. His name is Dave Durant. Okay. Dave, you may not have been in a situation like this before, but it is coming. The train has left the station. No one believes your deputy's report. Not even you. Wasney, there, there are some that will say, Doc, he should not have run from the police. Fine, I grant you that. Maybe he should not have. But hell, that's probably why he's alive, given what we have seen happen with police interactions. But no one can say, what you are looking at is from somebody being tased. No way in the hell. Two broken orbitals, cheeks, nose, Teeth in the front, not completely out, I'll be damned. But they submit this as evidence, dear brother. And they want us to look away because he ran from the police. I will not look away and say, oh, he got what he deserved. No, he deserved what the Constitution said, due process. He deserves what the Constitution gives him because he is, in fact, a human being. All right, thoughts. I mean, the the proof is in the pudding. You can just look at the photo of that brother, and um, you know, that's not that's not from a taser. Uh, I I will say, man, I I hope this guy gets every single red cent that he deserves from um this county, cause cause this is just unacceptable. And I would like to see some heads roll, man. People got to get fired behind this kind of stuff, and I don't say this lightly. This is just a traffic a traffic um stop should never result in something this damaging and ugly. I think that's obvious. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hope this brother gets his just due. Yeah, we will give you updates as they come. Hell of a thing.
Chief Justice Berger back in the day actually said the Second Amendment is a fraud. Republican conservative guy said this. Here it is. If I were writing the Bill of Rights now, there wouldn't be any such thing as the Second Amendment. Which says? That uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the defense of the state, the people's rights to bear arms. This has been the subject of one of the greatest pieces of fraud. I repeat the word fraud on the American public by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Now just look at those words. There are only three lines to that amendment. A well-regulated militia. If the militia, which was going to be the state army, was going to be well-regulated, why shouldn't 16 and 17 and 18 or any other age persons be regulated in the use of arms the way an automobile is regulated? He was the conservative chief justice of the United States Supreme Court, appointed by Nixon with the intent of moving the court more so to a conservative standard. But this particular conservative understood the interplay of profit and gun rights. He knew there was a fraud. I'm going to expose part of that fraud during this segment. But keep this in mind. There was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when Democrats and Republicans were basically saying the same thing as it relates to gun rights. We need common sense gun reform legislation while maintaining a person's right to bear arms. There was a balance. That balance has evaporated. There's more. MSNBC. Lawrence O'Donnell turned back the clock by airing that video you just saw of former Supreme Court Justice Warren Berger. Uh, and this was his criticism of the Second Amendment, but it was more than that. And I'll get into it in a moment. He was also talking about money. On Monday, a shooter gunned down six people, as you know, at a school in Nashville. Three of the victims were children, all nine years of age, and all dead. The rampage has spawned the usual demands for gun control from Democrats and the calls to fortify schools from Republicans. During his show on Tuesday, O'Donnell stated the political divide on guns was not always so wide. The quote is, there was a time when Republicans were no more in favor of gun rights than Democrats were, he said. But then Republican campaign pollsters found the sliver of the electorate that cares obsessively about guns and added them to the sliver of the electorate that cares obsessively about stopping all abortions and added them to the electorate that hates taxes and liberals. And that became their only formula to win elections. O'Donnell invoked Berger, a Republican tapped by President Richard Nixon, to become Chief Justice in 1969. Berger served until retiring 1986. Now, I'm going to show you another video of what I call a feckless politician. This is an elected leader who is elected to solve problems out of Tennessee. Here it is. Three, 
precious little kids lost their lives, and I believe three adults, I believe, is, and um, and the shooter, of course, lost their life too. So it's, it's a horrible, horrible situation, and we're not going to fix it. Criminals are going to be criminals, and my daddy fought in the Second World War, fought in the Pacific, fought the Japanese, and he told me, he said, buddy, he said, if somebody wants to take you out and doesn't mind losing their life, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do about it. Isn't that something, Tim, representative from Tennessee? He says, hey, my daddy told me that if somebody wants to get you, they're going to get you. I'm paraphrasing. So, sir, why are you an elected representative if policies and laws statutory code, punishment, restrictions, regulation. If these things do not work, why did you seek a position that put those very dynamics in place? Here's the reason. He's simply giving lip service. He's gaslighting. Remember, this is part of the same group who decided to make thousands of laws based on a lie about election manipulation. They know it's a lie. They have said it is a lie. They have texted each other it is a lie, but it did not stop them from creating legislation around the lie. This is the truth. Children are dying. Access to guns is insane in this country. And as the former Republican chief justice put it, it's a damn fraud. 100% down the middle, fraud. As a matter of fact, look at the Constitution. It is not a protection of an individual right in the first place. That became an interpretation a few decades ago by the US Supreme Court. Also, if your right to bear arms is absolute, why is it that every state has an age and qualifier? For example, you have freedom of speech. That freedom of speech is absolute, but there's regulation statutorily. If you misuse it, if you engage in criminal activity, or if you utilize it to maliciously lie on someone else, the government can penalize you. Yes, that's how it works. Every right has a responsibility. Speech, your freedom of speech is a right. That freedom has common sense responsibility. Guns, once again, your right to bear arms codified in the Constitution. But with right comes responsibility. Nobody calls the responsibility to not utilize your speech criminally speech control. So why would we call it gun control? Here's the crux of it. Let's put it up. According to a public policy polling survey, 83% of gun owners support expanded background checks on sales of all firearms. That includes 72% of NRA members, National Rifle Association members. As a result, it would seem strange that the NRA has not come out in full support of universal background checks, but it makes sense when you place in proper context what the former chief justice said, what O'Donnell said, and what I'm saying today. The vast majority of members of the NRA are for universal background checks. 
The vast majority of gun owners are for universal background checks. The vast majority of Americans in general, over 90% are for universal background checks. Who's against it? The gun manufacturers. They are against it. But what happened? There is no universal background check for all firearms. It is a fraud. All right, dear brother, thoughts here. You know, I, I, I love that you brought up those numbers because that is the first thing I was thinking of when you talked about the sliver, because that is exactly who the NRA is appealing to with their claims. They're going to take your guns. It's that tiny little sliver that will believe anything you feed them. The majority of gun owners, as you pointed out, majority of NRA members, majority of average Americans, there is no divide. We're all in agreement that we need to have common sense gun reforms. The only place where this is actually a debate is in Congress. Yep. That it, it, it's you know the same with the issue of, of climate change. You know, everybody says, yeah, let's do something. The debate, the the divisions only actually exist in D.C. because the money flowing into that city, flowing to those politicians is enough to ignore the will of 80% of the public. That is how much they have sold out this country for a million dollars here, a million dollars there. You know, 300 million people are worth less than a million dollars to these Republicans that are arguing that, nope, we can't touch it. They're going to kill you anyway, as as the lawmaker said. So, yeah, I guess you just got to accept it. They sold us out for pennies per person. There you go. All right. We will bring updates as they develop. Now, a very sad story. I'm going to show you the video and then I will opine. Here it is. I don't want to do this if I don't have you, please. to the poster, this is an ex-girlfriend who engaged in stalking. We have not independently confirmed that to be the case, but that is according to the post. So much so that uh, the individual, uh, the male, has not been able to sleep, uh, being afraid at night, etc. There's more video. Here it is. When I saw this video, I was profoundly sad, profoundly sad. 
no laughing, no jokes. Um, I remember when I was 19, and I want to say this to the young lady. This is already on the internet. It's already gone viral. So I want to take it as an opportunity to maybe talk to your heart. We've all been where you are. We've also been where the guy's at. Okay? I remember when I was 19 years old. Went through a major breakup, thought it was the end of the world. I tried to kill myself. I remember going into traffic and throwing myself in front of the fastest car. And for some reason, this man had reflex like Superman. He was able to avoid hitting me. And it was in that moment that I realized I could not be defined by another person. One individual cannot define you to such a degree. There's opportunity for people who engage in relationships and it doesn't work and you feel emotionally torn. Let's put it up. It is called love is respect. Love is respect. These advocates are available 24 seven. They offer confidential support for teens, young adults and their loved ones seeking help, resources or information related to healthy relationships, dating abuse in the US. They are also available by text. Love is text love is to 22522 or you can call the 1-800 number 1-866-331-9474. You can also chat online loveisrespect.org. All right. Just wanted to drop that in there. Wise thoughts. Man, I want to thank you for sharing that personal story uh, with us. I think it's an important lesson about uh, just, you know, uh, just managing uh, difficulties that arise, even with people that we have personal relationships with. Yeah. Uh, I would hope that that young lady actually does seek some help um, and talk to people because honestly, we've all been dumped. We've all been left. We know what it's like yep. to feel unworthy and unwanted. Um, but, you know, we got to move on and be and be more positive. There you go. Well said, dear brother. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Uh, check us out on the ringer.com NBA coverage. Uh, the playoffs about to start. You can catch us over there and um, check me and Nando Vila out um, at Woke Bros every single Friday afternoon, um, wherever you get your podcast. All right. Thank you, dear brother. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.